Friends, let us listen together for the word of God from the Gospel according to Luke in the 19th chapter. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing and the understanding of God's holy word. Doesn't this make an excellent children's sermon? You might remember last time it came around, we actually were in worshiping in Wakeman Hall, and we had a big cutout of a paper tree on the elevator, and we put a child in the elevator to peer out of the top. This passage and the one that comes after both are classic children's sermons, and they really go together, and they're linked with this, pass, this one line in between the middle of them. As he was saying this, he told them. So whenever one comes up in the lectionary, I have to remind you that it is linked to the other. The other, you might remember, let me know by a show of hands if this comes to mind from your own childhood. There was a king who went away and he left with his servants some talents. The story tells itself, yes, talents. We draw that parallel. What could those talents be? Well, surely they don't mean money. In this uh, translation, it's minas, but we're, you know, whether we're talking about pounds or dollars or pennies, he leaves them with money, and he goes away, and when he comes back, he's overjoyed to find that the good one, supposedly, made more money for him, but the other one was weak and afraid. He buried those talents in the ground. Is this all coming back? And do you remember that the takeaway was surely that you need to use your own talents, that God has given you special gifts. God made you you. And there's nothing wrong with this message at all, and it probably goes along with some of the ethics that your elders, your grandparents, your parents probably tried to instill in you. It's sort of about how you need to put in the effort and do the work, just like how Zacchaeus climbed that tree, right? Didn't your grandfather walk to school uphill both ways in the snow, and didn't it form his character? Doesn't the early bird catch the worm? Doesn't that Puritan work ethic pay off? Shouldn't you get to work first, work hardest, 
stay latest. So friends, the message is very much like self-help productivity hustle culture, like the seven habits of highly effective people or the book, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Being Awesome. In a spiritual context, it becomes, never hide your true self, your light. God made you you, and God wants you to let your light shine. Be the best you that you can be, and you will see wonderful things happen in your life. So make God happy by being hardworking and rich and clever. A fitting benediction for this message, right before we all sang, this little light of mine would be not go in peace to love and serve the Lord, but go in busyness and be the best. Friends, I suggest to you today that all of this is a Western, modern-day spin that has no connection to the gospel, the good news. The text is rooted in an ancient Eastern culture which we do not fully understand from our modern Western individualistic eyes. We have misunderstood and misheard and misrepresented the good news when this is our takeaway. It isn't bad in and of itself exactly, but it is not good news. You see, Zacchaeus was an underling of an evil master, just like the slaves in the parable that follow, considered by the powers of empire to be completely expendable. We stop children's messages right before we tell them that it ends in a mass slaughter because no one in the system has any value. He is rich, but not compared to the empire, not compared to the masters. He is comfortable compared to his own people because he has internalized a self-hatred of his own people and robbed them while collecting taxes for the state. This is why tax collectors were so hated in their day. He made them pay extra so that he could skim off the top. He sits comfortably financially but in a very precarious situation, hated by his own people, who he has cheated and used working in cahoots with empire. As the Roman Empire spread out, it took over and governed foreign nations in an efficient way by establishing an abusive economy in which anyone who was a slave or a servant It depends on how you want to translate that Greek word, doulos. Unlike American slavery in ancient Rome, people kept their same same role in society depending on what their talents, gifts were. Doctors were still doctors. They just were doctors serving empire. Philosophers were still philosophers. They just became tutors for the wealthy. Anyone who was good at numbers or money or land management became managers for these kings, these overlords. But even the kings were just sort of deputy puppet leaders. And no one in this community of people held any power under the emperor. All were expendable. 
So friends, let's imagine together what this was like. I imagine a glorious sunny day. I imagine that this was the best thing that ever happened in this village since anyone could remember. A miracle-working rabbi is going to be walking straight through their town. I imagine for a moment the people forget how hungry they are with just a glimmer of hope that this Jesus will feed 5,000 of them the way they hear that he did a few villages over. I imagine that for just a moment they forget the terror of the tortured and crucified bodies which hang on the way into the nearest city. And a trust that this visiting preacher will treat them and see them, acknowledge them as human beings. I imagine that for a moment they forget their sores and their pains in the hope that he will heal them with just a word. So they pour out of their huts and fields and line the way for the ones folks had been whispering was the Messiah. He passes through the crowd and stops at the foot of that tree and peers into the branches and calls Zacchaeus down by name. How could he? Befriending the one who threatened them, who robbed them of their last pennies, keeping them anxious and hungry while he collected the already impossibly high taxes for Rome, raising them even higher so he could live a lavish lifestyle. I imagine they are confused and horrified and angry. If Jesus was coming to save the least and the lost, how could he have dinner plans with Zacchaeus, the traitor, the one who served their oppressors, the one who could, with just a word, betray them over to powers of empire? How could Jesus enjoy a meal made from wealth that had been stolen from them? And what about them, their hunger, and their healing, and their dehumanization? What about them? This is the world in which Jesus encounters Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, just one slave, controlled by the power of empire. This is why Jesus has said, you cannot serve God and money, because he doesn't just mean money. He means the whole system of power and dehumanization. You cannot serve God and serve an oppressive system. So while it is hard and uncomfortable, and we don't always like to do this on a beautiful Sunday morning, it forces us to ask the question, in what ways has our society changed, and in what ways has it not changed at all? And I wonder about our town. I wonder about our state and our nation. I wonder about our world and how we are tied to a global economy. Do the wealthy profit off the poor and the sick and the incarcerated? Do the powerful listen first to the needs of the vulnerable? Or do some feast while others starve? 
Do we still have a system of racism, classism, sexism, heterosexism, ableism, and inequality that flourishes in any way it can wherever we do not actively dismantle it? Does empire, in whatever form, have the power to crucify people who do not conform? Do some have so much wealth They have to come out with outlandish ways to spend it, while people who work for them wait in lines for understocked pantries. Are refugees treated with dignity? Is each and every human being treated as though they are made in the image of the divine? A life of faith asks us to wonder to seek the answers, and if needed, confess and repent before we turn and believe the good news. We have to be willing to name the power of empire and God's challenge to it, because this story and the parable that follows is God's takedown of empire, not God's demand that you work harder for it. Taking the Lord's name in vain does not mean saying, oh my God, when you are not praying. It means slandering the name of God by comparing God to a wicked puppet king who would slaughter anyone who does not turn a better prophet. The good news is not a productivity guide to hustle culture. Work harder, do more, be a good slave. No. We went off the track somewhere. But the good news is, the Bible can lead us back. When Jesus calls Zacchaeus down out of the tree and invites himself over for dinner, just his presence liberates him. Just in a moment, Zacchaeus' life is transformed and turned around. He is set free from a love of money and power. He is set free from self-hatred and disdain of his own people and community. He gives it all up. It causes a ripple effect of dignity and compassion in his community. The presence of Jesus has the power for us as well to free us from any system that holds us back from self-love, from wholeheartedness and community. Jesus asks that we follow him in creating a new kingdom, a new heaven on earth, where the laws and rules of empire will not govern us. God's way is an overabundance of excess, of sharing, of compassion, of concern and attention for others. There is no scarcity of love, of belonging, of inclusion, and of welcome at God's table. Remember that Jesus comes into the system at the very bottom to declare that he is Lord. And he washes the feet of his friends, taking the place of a servant, and says, This is how you be the best. You love one another as I love you. He reframes our living. It is not wrong to be poor. It is wrong to be unjust. But the good news is that you can be set free. I had hoped you would hear from Trey first about the work of Yabantu, 
which means for the people. And about that spirit of Ubuntu, I am because we are. Zacchaeus had forgotten that, and Jesus brought it back for him. You can be restored to the love of community. You can work for this new kingdom that looks like even just a glimmer or a glimpse of heaven when you put love of one another first. So I imagine again those folks on the road. And I think that Zacchaeus's house must have been one of the first churches. The Gospel of Luke was recorded maybe 50 years after these events, and I imagine that the community was still meeting there week after week and telling the story of the first time they had been invited in. Don't you think they had followed Zacchaeus and Jesus home that day? Surely it was a holy evening, and that dinner party was just the first of many. Surely the stars shone down in the night sky as the people who had followed them home poured in and out of Zacchaeus's house, feasting together from plates that never ran out of food. And I imagine that intermittently throughout the night, Zacchaeus returned to them, looking in their eyes and with a heartfelt apology. Purse by purse, the bags of coins he had stolen from them. I imagine that they toasted to a brother restored, returned to their fold, and to a new community that would never be hungry or afraid again. Or maybe they would be, but they would feed one another, they would protect one another. Whatever trouble came, they would survive it and face it together. Most of all, they toasted to that idea of Ubuntu. I am because we are. Each of us children of the same ancestor. Each one of us created in the divine image. Each one of us with a future of hope. And surely Jesus, who started it all by inviting himself over, sat throughout the evening beside Zacchaeus at that table, smiling at the joy and the relief in Zacchaeus's newly liberated face. <laughs>